Hello. Hello. So, so Buell, is that how I say your name? Yeah, Buell. Buell is. Okay, great. So I just want to tell everybody what this is. <clears throat> mm-hmm. This is um, Fam Electric Ghost, and I'm an indie producer and art podcast. I've been doing it for the last two years. Previously, we were on an app called Spearman, mm-hmm. and we interview indie artists from around the world. And today, we're going to be talking to Buell. And yeah. so that's that's our focus today and we're going to talk about your music and your process and so um welcome to the show thanks for having me yes so i i think i sent you the interview questions and we can run down that yeah yeah i was going through them right now actually and also we i do have your song bad poetry yeah actually play um if you want and we can also add the spotify version as a segment to this podcast when we publish it um, yeah so, so that that's what this podcast allows us to do mm-hmm. um, and so um, but we can actually play it live uh, this isn't live but it'll be pushed out after we do the call but it would be embedded in the podcast because sometimes when it gets published some platforms don't allow you to play the spotify song so if people want to hear it it might be the embedded version would get let people hear bad poetry okay can. Um, well, yeah, sure. If you're able to do that, yeah, then, uh-huh. we'll, do, we'll do that at some point. We won't do it right now, but um, okay. so but if I get to the first question, um, like when did you first get into music and at what age? Well, um, it's like if it's um, about like when I started to sing, actually, it was like really early as as early as I was like four years old, I guess trying to sing more like but um the first time I started to perform was when I was 12 year old years old actually um in a school band um we had our first performance so that's how I how my whole adventure started so did you originally um you know write your own music um is that was that a goal because some people when they get into music they don't take the step of you know writing their own material They'll, they'll sing other people's material or they'll be part of, you know, not take on that as a singer-songwriter. So you're you're a singer-songwriter, right? Yeah. So um, Yeah, for me, it was like always, it sounded really fun to be able to make up your own melodies and sing whatever you want to sing. Because when you're singing other people's song, I mean, if, even if you're covering them, you have to like imitate to some extent. And it was a little stressful for me always. Because I always think that like whoever writes the song, whoever is the original singer of the song, it has the right emotion um, mm-hmm. correlated with the song. So I was like always super into writing my own melodies, but I didn't have the instrument or I didn't know how to begin. So until I was 15, I was always just, you know, having those melodies in my head, but I didn't know how to turn them into a song. And I, when I was 15, I um, got my first guitar. And it just happened really quickly. I learned a couple of chords, wasn't really into becoming a guitar player, but um, just putting some chords together and, you know, having the bass to be able to write the vocal melodies was just really, it was the best thing I've ever discovered, I guess. Um, so is a guitar and um, bass like those? Those are your string. Those type of string instruments. Those are um yeah. primary 
Yeah, I don't play bass, but I I actually started playing piano when I was 12 years old. But I I took like a piano course um, for like three months or something. But I kind of didn't like um, learning how to read notes. It was a little (laughs) too Mm -hmm. um, disciplined for me. So I stopped doing that. But I still kind of like playing piano by the ear. Yeah. Um, But actually playing guitar kind of made me feel like I found my like own element. I was where I needed to be like to write so, songs. So guitar is your primary instrument. You feel more yeah. comfortable with that? Yeah. Do you find that a keyboard helps with songwriting though? Like even if you don't know how to read the notes, if you're writing, what I find is like I'm a keyboardist and, and, oh. and what I find is the keyboard allows you to kind of write the whole song once you learn that skill. Hmm. with a lot of the you know i'm an electronic musician and with all the tools you have today you know if you use a keyboard you can pretty much you can write the bass part do anything you can write everything um yeah exactly so yeah. if i knew that the situation was going to be this today i probably would um focus more on keyboard but um at that time whenever i played like a chord it was giving me a variety of melodies other than the chord that i was actually playing like it always helped me mm-hmm. um hear the other variety of like melodies that i can come up with for the vocals so that was like easier for me because when i'm playing piano it doesn't necessarily yeah. give me like an option for the vocal melodies you actually like sit and try to like find the um melody that goes well with the keyboard well i think there's a big tradition you know in all in folk music and in you know, popular music, if you go back yeah. to, to the 70s, like a James Taylor, and, you know, yeah. Bob, Bob Dylan, you know, yeah. Bruce Springsteen. If you, the guitar lends itself, just an acoustic guitar, to being able to create your demo. And sometimes it becomes... Exactly, you're the, done. Like, the whole yeah. song. You can do yeah. the whole song, you know. Yeah, that's perfect. And it has the ability to do rhythm. I mean, a guitar has the ability, at least an acoustic guitar, has a lot of capability in creating, like, beats. You can create beats exactly. with a guitar. Yeah. Um, like, you know how the beat should be when once you play the song uh, on the guitar. So it's, yeah. it was like a good way for me to like start and find my own vibe. Um, when I first started playing, um, I was like, should I make something that's similar to what's already around? Because is it, it, is it like a way to make my music a more like, um, like valid yeah. If it sounds more like the other songs. Um, so you but it was over. like really limiting, actually, because I don't know. Everybody has like different type of qualities for their own genre or whatever their sound is, like their vocals, voice or the melodies they're hearing in their head. So um, it didn't really help me at that time. So I, so <laughs> I just decided to, you know, do whatever I want to do instead of like trying to sit and imitate other um like, other artists so when you yeah. started were you trying to to like use reference points from other artists were you trying to be like um it was any particular artist you, you were thinking you wanted to be like when you first well, started i was like when i was 12 and i was i first got involved in my first band um our guitar player was a female guitar player who said, do you know the band Nirvana? And I was like, um, no. Um, she was like, if you don't know 
who Nirvana is, you don't know music. So <laughs> I was like, really? Okay. Yeah. So I started to listen to Nirvana and I was like, at first I wasn't really a rock, like hurt. Like I wasn't really interested in like rock at that time. I was 12 years old. Yeah. And that story begins like that, I guess, like then I couldn't stop listening to Nirvana for like 15 years. I'm like, oh my God, like, if you don't know Nirvana, then you don't know music. Well, Nirvana so. was such a big revelation because they brought back the, yeah. punk, the punk. You know, because like, for Nirvana, it's it really g- like a punk rock band. It, it gives you a lot of freedom, actually. Yeah. Like, it, it makes you feel like you don't have to know or you don't have to act like anything to become a musician or to become someone yeah, who's... That was their original intent of like, you go back to the Sex Pistols and the original Clash. Yeah, and a lot of the original punk rock, right? It it was the fact that people had ideas, but they didn't have to be virtuosos. Yeah, and so that they could be have honest feelings. You know, in the Clash initially, they became really good musicians. They became like really awesome. But when they first started, they were kind of basic. And then the Sex Pistols was very basic. And mm-hmm. You get bands like Who's to Do and the Replacements mm-hmm. yeah. to, to start to you know show some musicianship within that genre. But um. Yeah, I think it's the freedom of Nirvana is like, you know, it, it allows you to grunge was a, a different category. It allowed you exactly. to go like the Beatles. You can try to do be like the Beatles. You can be punk. You could do acoustic. You could do whatever you want. And yeah, and I think that was the freedom. And a lot of people were very found uh, themselves in. Yeah, yeah, because he had the big hair rock band, like the Van Halen's <laughs> and the Megadeth. And you know that you can't live like that, right? <laughs> like, well, it's all fantasy. You had reality. Yeah, it's all fantasy. <laughs> These big rock stars and they're, <laughs> yeah. know, they have this image and it's not reality. You know, David Lee Roth and yeah, all these big, the bigger than life. And and then like a punk is more like attainable. He's like your average kid could say, "Well, I can maybe do that." I <laughs> yeah. But I probably can't be David Lee Roth, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it was like a good way to go with like meeting Nirvana at that time. Like listening to their songs was like, oh my god, like I don't have to put myself in a box. Like I can just be anything and convince people that I'm a good musician <laughs> because I just want it and I feel it and I just, you know, have the confidence that um, what I do is coming from heart. So when and you that's all that matters. So when you write, does it just like, like some people just feel like they have the muse? It just it just comes within them. So when you write a song, does it come easy to you, or do you really have to work at it? I've talked to songwriters, and some of them are like, you know, it comes like I don't have to worry about it; it just comes. And some people are like really tortured, and they really work hard. So they're on the ground. I mean, it, it actually is. I think um, about what you're expecting from that song at that moment like um if you just want to go with it like it doesn't have to take that long you can just for me I mean so there's times that I just sit and write just like in five minutes like the vocal melodies are done and three four chords done Mm -hmm. but there's times that I'm like I want to write like specifically about this subject and I need a thought process before I can you know I'm able to like sit and write actually. So, so it the, all depends. Yeah. So does the music, like does the, the actual melody of the guitar parts come before the lyrics or does the lyric come before the guitar? It part? usually is like, it comes with guitar parts first. Cause um, then you have a hard time trying to fit your lyrics into the melody, like guitar melody. 
and it's like it sounds a little bit more fake than the other uh, the other version because like once you come up with the chorus sorry um chords um then you're like okay i have this much length of <laughs> space for me to be able to express my feelings so you start to limit yourself and it kind of gives you like a direction um do you find that you do like a stream of consciousness style of uh initial lyrics that like you'll have your guitar um like I do. chords or do you, you just kind of preform it and then refine it or do you have like a it all I, I don't think I have like a certain type of writing style it all depends on the moment like I don't want to put myself in a box again like I don't want to be like this is how I write because okay. you have like variety of emotions going on in your life one day doesn't match the other day so um I don't expect myself to you know be able to create the same stuff that I, I, or the same in the same way, like I did, you know, a couple of months ago, it's going to be different. Yeah. And you're learning and you're yeah. seeing. And so it changed. But that's why I kind of like what the way I write, I do a kind of stream of consciousness, kind of like Dylan, Dylan asked you, like you, you put down some, some melodies on, on, uh -huh. on the keyboard and then you kind of just, I, my first love is poetry. So I have all kinds of poetry I've written. Oh. I have all this stuff I've written, but I don't necessarily, I, I'll merge things. So if, I, if okay. I come up and I write something, I'll have all this stuff that I've been throwing in my head. And then if I come up with a, a like a chord arrangement or mm -hmm. a sequence, it's kind of like whatever I'm feeling that day. Because if I'm they feeling match, yeah. down or I'm feeling excited or I'm angry or whatever, it comes out in what I'm doing. And then as a songwriter, sometimes you just take those reference points from your life. And yeah, you bring them in and you can't really predict what it's going to be. I mean, I go into a recording session. I have no idea what I'm really going to do. And it mm -hmm. just comes out. And then I, later I'll refine it. And then I start to really know what I'm doing. But, but you know, it's initially it's kind of like a catharsis. I kind of use it. to. It's like I have to do it. I feel like I have. Really? To, I feel like I have to write. It just comes out. That's just <laughs> my style. But um, mm. but. I've talked to other people and they say it's somewhat like that, but you know, you never know. Everybody has their own style. Yeah, it's probably better to have your own way of writing because if I try your way, probably won't work for me because you can't push yourself to write or create something. It just needs to come. And if it doesn't, if it comes, um, like half of it comes that day, you might have to wait for three more weeks to finish it if it's not like a project like like that's expected to be finished by a third party if it's like your own pleasure. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to like make myself feel as free as possible when it comes to writing. Do you have a particular um, like place that you write or because you have like, do you have like an acoustic guitar or electric guitar? Do you have to be in a certain space to be hmm. able to write? Um, I don't because it would be really limiting if I did had it because sometimes even when I'm like walking on the, like if, if I'm taking a bus, let's say I'm like, Oh my God, it just came right now. So I'm going to act like I'm talking on the phone and record this <laughs> my phone, you know, it yeah, might come cool. anywhere. Um, I don't need a particular place probably to come up with, but I'm electric and acoustic. Yeah. Because somebody like you, you talk to some bands and they have to be in their practice area, or they have to be in their studio 
to actually, you know, put stuff down. Um, but the idea is, like you say, they could come to you anywhere. But yeah. to be able to physically play, sometimes they have to go to that space. And, you know, if you have that space in your home, then you can do it whenever you want. If you have it's probably space. like classical conditioning. Like anytime I come to the studio, I want to write something. No, it doesn't happen to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I don't have like a certain studio that I hang out at all the time. I, you know, work with different producers. I collaborate with different people. So it always is a different location. So if I limited myself, it would be really <laughs> challenging for me. Like, oh, no, I can't collaborate with you right here. I have to go back to where I belong. Yeah, that's cool. Right and come back, yeah. So it's like, so, so if, so you said Nirvana was, was an influence. Do you have? For my earliest, probably. And then the Beatles okay. is probably one of the biggest ones because my parents would, you know, like, most of the times play their songs at home. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like grew up there with their songs. And then um, the Bee Gees um, has like a huge impact on how I perceive like harmonies and like, you know, Wow. The way they sing, the melodies that they come up with, it's just like when I listen to their songs, it reminds me of such a long period of my life, like from my childhood, that I can guess that they have a huge influence in um, how I create. And even though like when you listen to my songs, you wouldn't say, oh, Bee Gees, but it still yeah. has this like sure. emotional impact. Well, the Bee Gees and the Beatles are just classic songwriters, you know. They, exactly. They had really good sense of melody. They're yeah. very adventurous. If you go to the original Bee Gees, you know, some, yeah. like, the, like the Fab Four, they like the Beatles. Yeah. They break out until they have Crate and Disco and, mm-hmm. and, and the falsetto and stuff that they're doing there. It's, it's very powerful. It's very. I know. Yeah. It's a, it's That's like lot. my reference point. I don't like putting myself... Uh, into a situation where I only should write in a certain style. Yeah, that's why I'm, it's kind of like good to um, like those type of musicians that make you feel good about yourself because you're not writing in the same style. Like, well, I think know. a lot of musicians, you know, you can have a lot of reference points, and it doesn't mean you have to be the Beatles or be the Bee Gees exactly or, or be Nirvana. But you you take reference points for multiple things. If you look at hip hop, you know, hip hop is a big hodgepodge of multiple genres yeah and it pulls from jazz rock funk everything and so Mm -hmm. the more you listen to as a musician if you listen to coltrane or you listen to the beatles you listen to hendrix or you listen to different things it you know your country music it gives you more capability exactly yeah you you need to know like variety of music so that you can actually be free to come up with your own child (laughs) yeah and that's where you get your unique spin on something your unique music comes from how you interpret those things and then you know everything in music there's certain things that are you know blues is always kind of restrictive um you know progressive music can be somewhat restrictive in its complexity um and so there's certain things that you know that you get pigeonholed into and then you can't get out of it i always like the musicians to like to be genre bending you know Mm -hmm. Um, like Prince and, you know, Miles Davis and people, yeah. people try to push it, you know, Coltrane, they, they didn't just want to stay within a certain format. They try to break the format and create something new. Um, yeah, that's definitely. Always been, I, I hear that in your music. You have a lot of, I hear a lot of reference points in your music. <laughs> and, and, yeah. 
And I like the fact that a lot of times today you have a lot of music that's very mechanical, very much done on the dot. Nothing wrong with it, but like bad poetry has like a live, live band feel. Very organic, yeah. Yeah, and I like that because I'm a child of the seventies. You know, mm-hmm. I've listened to All My Brothers, you know, Hendrix, you know, people who actually went to the studio and they put yeah. down, they, they played the, every track. They didn't do it on computer. They didn't cut and paste it. Not that that isn't you know, amazing. You can get bands like Public Enemy and other bands that create amazing hip-hop stuff and it's not played with live stuff, instruments, but I'm kind of a person that likes to hear live organic music. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love that. Like in, in bad poetry, maybe we'll play that cause so people can kind of hear what we're talking yeah. about. So what I can do is I can play bad poetry and then we can talk about it in detail if, if you want awesome. to. Awesome. Um, yeah. so we're gonna play that so just go on mute don't don't shut off the phone just just hit mute okay <laughs> and then i'll tell you when to come back and we'll talk about it all right
get high and let's get low. I'll climb the stars and touch the moon. It don't matter how hard we try and in my poetry. So that's Buell and Bad Poetry. And so you're there? Yeah. Yeah, I really, that is a really great song. And I can kind of hear the influences of like the Beatles um, and maybe the old school. Um, Sergeant and Pepper Link, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because like there's some really cool stuff going on. I'm not sure if some of that's like a guitar slide or you're using a synth to do some of that kind of. We have a lot of electric um, violin. Yeah, it sounds like a like kind of that like sounds a, like a guitar, actually. Yeah. Yeah, but it could be like if you listen to Dylan during his uh, mm-hmm. period when he was with the band and they were doing these really like heavy electric um, albums during the late seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they would do they had like a violinist that went out on stage and played a bunch of these a bunch of shows that had that kind of feel and it really sounds like you know the old school singer songwriting. I love from from that period, so I I, I love this song. Thank you. So this is uh this is for 2018. Looking at your um Spotify, is this coming from an album or is this a single only? Um, this was actually a collaboration that we did with um Ty Long Lee. He's a producer. Um, so it's not actually a part of an album. Um, but it's yeah. just a single. Yeah, I did see that. So so that's the producer. Yes. He also produced it and co-wrote it. So did you just work with him directly or did you work with a band? Uh, did he provide the band? Or did you ever, you know, get um, a studio with the musicians that are on this? Or did? Yeah, we um, we actually just sat and wrote the song. Um, he's a bass player. Uh, I mean, and we just wrote the song with the bass at first. It was only vocals and the bass. And it was... Um, very slow like it wasn't like a pop song um at all and then um all of a sudden one day I just woke up and I said hey let's actually turn this song into a pop song I think it would be really fun because I haven't really heard a song that has this type of lyrics and this type of a um vibe being a pop song I thought that it would be interesting um and Ty said Let's produce it here, and um, I know some pretty good musicians who can maybe come here and play for us. And we just play the song um, to the violinist and the piano player and guitar players, and um, they just came up with their own, like they interpreted the song in the way they wanted to, and they just sat and you know wrote their parts, played their parts. Um, they were all friends with Ty. Um, they always work together for in a studio for his other projects. So when so, you said here, where was here? Sorry? 
when you said um, here, where was this recorded? Oh, it was um, Bow Sound Studio. Okay, cool. It's in, um, on Hollywood. So the he drum, has a pretty did the, nice studio. So the drum, yeah. Did the drummer come up with the drum beat, or did you have a specific beat? Well, we actually had a beat, but um, we kind of directed him, but we also didn't want to limit him because he's, like, pretty good. He's Donald Barrett. He's, like, a pretty good drum, drum player, so drummer. Um, so we just said we want this vibe, but if you come up with, um, like, a better sounding, your own style, like, mm -hmm. um, beats, you're more, more than welcome. And he came up with this beat. So when the initial, the initial demo you said was in a different time signature, wasn't this yeah. wasn't a pop song. So did you have drums on the original? Was this bass and you're singing? It it was actually only bass and vocals. Then while when we were just um, you know trying to come up with the arrangement that possibly would be the right fit for the song, we be, we came up with a beat just on the computer, like on the program. Okay. And then um, the drummer came and played a better beat himself so we didn't need it anymore that's also so when you're talking about like the computer you use like a digital audio workstation yeah like, it was like just one of those like or, yeah or like you know i think it was cubase if i'm not oh, cubase. Honest, okay. but yeah yeah there's all different ones you know, everybody uses their own you know fl studio there's all these different ones but um and then, yeah. yeah we just but you had real, you had traditional artists actually playing instruments that that were friends of um, of Ty, right? They, they they were musicians that he knew, and they they did the the live tracking of it in the studio. Hello, did we lose you? Are you still there? We might have to come in and do a second um, episode, so hold a second. This is Ram Like a Ghost, and we're pushing our brand new record, Dark Ghost Volume 1, which is going to be on Digger's Factory Records. And so if you go to https forward slash forward slash www.diggersfactory.com forward slash vinyl forward slash 226598. You can get our brand new album on pre-order. comes out in April. We have 196 copies out of 200 left. It's $24 plus shipping and handling. It's a two vinyl album. It is our statement on electronica, experimental music, and progressive trance. It is um, mastered for vinyl, and it's, it's our first vinyl record. It's part of the Dark Ghost series of records. So again, it's www.diggersfactory, that's D-I-G-G-E-R-S, factory, all one word, dot com, forward slash vinyl, forward slash 226598. And we'd appreciate your order and um, we'll be very happy um, that you, you, you're checking out our music and, uh, and we'll be very supportive of... Uh, of you as, an, as a fan because we'll give you some cool goodies if you sign up. So please check it out. It's www.diggersfactory.com forward slash vinyl forward slash 226598. Thank you. Hey. Can, can Hello. You, can you hear me? 
I do. Do you? Yeah, I can't hear you. Sorry. Perfect. Sorry, yeah. my phone <laughs> fainted from temperature. So. Okay, your battery life is good though, right? Put it in the fridge, so <laughs> should be fine. <laughs> okay, so I think we were talking about like your recording process. Process, yeah. And um, you had said the drummer had come up with the beat. You originally had done it on the computer, like you'd done it on a DAW. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's cool. Like the whole process of um, how 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 a song can change. You know, there's a lot exactly. of exactly history. It was a great you know. experience. Yeah. Has that happened before where you had a song that was in one kind of time signature or had a vibe and then suddenly it kind of shifted to a different vibe? Of course, it always happens, but sometimes it's um, out of your control. Like you work with a producer, yeah. you bring the song in an acoustic version, and then all of a sudden they turn it into whatever they thought like what turning should, it into. What they thought it should be, yeah. Yeah, it's not always like this, you know, ending up this being this cool to me but um this one we were kind of like open because it was a collaboration so um we were open to make something interesting or whatever people felt like it like the musicians who were involved in it felt like the sound should be so we were more free so i kind of liked the way it turned out so the, the different types of like music, you say you like to do all different types of genres. So if you could you describe the different genres or different types of music that you've actually, you know, worked on? Yeah. Um, in high school and my bands, I mean, actually in college too, it was more like punk rock bands. Um, we were mostly playing my songs um, that we cover in the band as a full band because I was writing the songs with the acoustic guitar. And then we were arranging them in a pop punk style. And then um, it kind of turned into an acoustic pop um, in like four years ago or something. And then right now, I also started to produce. Um, and I would say like indie pop, still acoustic, but um, a little bit more. Mm. like bad poetry was a collaboration so it doesn't really the individual sound that I'm going for or Ty goes for necessarily it's like a like it's name it's like collaboration but the songs that I'm working by myself are mostly like independent pop style indie pop, indie pop type of songs mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you were going to say the kind of indie pop that you're going for, what other bands are in that kind of category that you might sound like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I wouldn't probably um, like name one that I'm exactly trying to go for. But um, nowadays, like at least for two years, three years, I've been really into um, Cigarettes After Sex. Their sound is something that I'm really into because they have those like reverbed guitars and vocals that gives you like an ethereal yeah. um, feeling. Um, also, probably like Sia, Banks, those artists are the ones that I really like. I'm really into. So you kind of like a, like an ethereal kind of 
soundscape type of guitar. Yeah. Sounds. Mm-hmm. I do. I do like that. Yeah. Like sound I do like having guitars. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Brian Eno used to do a lot of that. You know, he was really into ma- making atmospheric guitar sounds back, back mm-hmm. in the day. But um, yeah. So it's uh, so as we get back into some of the stuff. So are you doing live shows and gigs where people could see you that you might want to like um, let people know? Yeah, um, actually, the thing is, like, I've been performing live for a long time, like, since I moved to L.A. Um, from Dayton, Ohio. Um, for two years, I've been performing a lot, but um, for the last five months, I kind of stopped playing because I'm working on my EP right now. Okay, so you're on recording. And I want to be able to finish, yeah, the songs before I start performing and start promoting my album. But my first show is probably going to be scheduled in September. So if people you know, follow me from my social media accounts like Instagram or Facebook page, I will, I can let them know. Yeah, and we can, I can keep them updated. Yeah, we can update this podcast at any time and add mm-hmm. like links and stuff to it. So if you, sure. um, you know, start, you know, having new material, what we do like to do is have people come on and promote their material. Um, We've been talking to different artists, and as they get records out, we like to push their singles. We like to push their albums. So we mm-hmm. like to talk Thanks. to artists again. And, and part of the reason we do this is to kind of give a background. Is like there are people on the net that will ask indie artists to like pay for interviews. And I'm, since I'm an indie artist and I'm a fan of music and a musician myself, I felt like if you're it's yeah, really tough if you're into <laughs> music and you love music. <laughs> I like yeah. to just talk to other artists. and, and Exactly. Like, That's a little cruel to make them pay for yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, and I think they're, you know, I don't want to name people. People kind of guess who I might be talking about, but there, there are certain people out there that, are, that they have these package deals and they tell you, oh, they got to do this and do that. And I just kind of got turned off and I say, you know what? I, I love music. I'm a child of the 70s. I kind of feel that, you know, if you're really into it, you should push it out. And I had the opportunity a couple of years ago on a different app called Fairman, where they mm-hmm. reached out to me because of my SoundCloud presence because I have, I have a fan base that likes what, what okay. I'm doing. And they said, hey, do you mm-hmm. want to come on Spearman and do these interviews? And that was one of the first podcast apps, and they've kind of gone into a different direction. But this podcast app is still out there, and uh, I kind of converted over a couple months ago. And I just feel like you, that you should talk to as many artists as possible and give them a platform yeah. because, you know, if you love music, you want to have artists be out there and be heard and, and, and have people understand like what, who doesn't have major support. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what it is to be a musician and what it's about. And I, what I like to do is, you know, get into like your reference points, like why you do what you do. Like the things I'm interested in, you know, when I used to read Rolling Stone spin magazine, when I want to read about an artist, it's like, why did they do that? You know, where were they coming from? Mm-hmm. And I just do it because I love it. And I just push it forward. And, and you know, I keep on getting interviewed with all kinds of people all over the world. And, and it's, it's really cool. I think. To, to, yeah, that's a great mission. Yeah, it's just something. <laughs> Congratulations for <laughs> That you want to do. But, um, so, it was like, you collaborated, which one of the questions was, like, how do you, how, what do you feel about collaboration? So, you said you've collaborated with, you know, other artists, other, other than Ty Long Lee. Um, you talked yeah. about maybe about some other collaborations? 
Yeah, um, I recently also collaborated with um, Robin Lemiser, who's the former um, songwriter and guitar player of Rod Stewart. So we um, met and became friends and just decided to sit and write a song. And then it went on like that. We just couldn't stop. So we wrote like five songs together. Um, so probably like very soon we will start um, putting those songs out on Spotify. Um, it's like more like 70s pop. Awesome. Kind of a music style with um, like more current um, vocal melodies. So I think it's a great um, is that, diff- is that a know, different project mix. than the project, other project you were working on, or is that the new project? This is like a project that I've been working on for the last couple of months. So we'll be um, releasing our collaborations very soon with Robin, and I also am working on my own EP, um, which I'm planning to release probably during this year. Oh, so that... 2018. So the Rod uh-huh. Productions... Um, um, that that one they're, they're going to be separate singles, not going to be EP. It's or... the collaborations are going to be separate from my EP because I kind of went too further away from my own sound with collaborations, which is the good side of it because you don't have to have concerns like I have to make it in a certain way. I have to put it in the same, you know, EP. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be a part of my individual field project, but um. They're going to be like separate singles. That's awesome. So is everything still kind of in the vein of like organic sounding, like what what bad poetry sounds like, or does it go toward like indie well, pop like sound or you know? collaborations are still that going in that path, but uh, my singles are more my songs are a little bit more electronic than the collaborations because even though I like organic. Um, mm-hmm. I also like being free to discover your own, you know, I think it's like a huge, like endless sea where you can come up with very variety of sounds that you can never maybe play live yeah. or, you know, play like organically. So, so for, like, it, electro- it is a good yeah, way to. So sorry, but for electronic, this can kind of perk my interest. Um, is it EDM or synth wave or what type of electronic? Since so synth, yeah, mostly yeah, synths and beats. So is it like Eurorack, analog synth, or digital synth? I I can get really crazy. Dig- digital, it's not analog. Yeah. So it's like digital within using like a DAW or using real hardware synths, like like roll. Not hardware synths, no. With soft synths on it. Maybe, but it might change in the future. I don't know. It depends on the producers that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Um, for my like. When I produce myself, it's usually not analog, not really like hard, like real yeah. synth sounds, but more like a programmed. Um, but there's a, yeah, the, the, the programs today are very powerful, and they can they can simulate things. Yeah. So, but I'm an electronic artist, so I'm a big purveyor of analog, modular, Eurorack, actually like hardware, actually playing a synth, like playing, like yeah. playing mm-hmm. a Jupiter. Playing a, a Moog, mm-hmm. yeah, a yeah, Moog yeah. you know, Model D, or playing a, like a Hammond organ, because that's where I come from. Is like you know, trying to play like Yes or Genesis or progressive rock. You know, having the skill set to do that. And today, I think I haven't found the middle yet. Like either live or <laughs> totally yeah. programmed. Well, a lot of yeah. times today, it's like hard to to get clubs to want to see a band bringing in that much yeah. that you have to do 
you know, to support that. Yeah. Because my, my problem yeah. when I play a gig, like in New York City, I got road cases. I just don't have like a DJ platform and just like a computer. Mm-hmm. Mogs and stuff that have to go up on stage and get taken up and taken down. You know, so I'm actually like a real band. You know. Yeah, you need like a more practical system. Yeah, so yeah, for... you play clubs and stuff. Sometimes they don't want to have the overhead if they want to turn out a bunch of people. You can't have mm-hmm. like a band, like a 1970s band. You can't have that presence. Though I've been able to get to places that do want to see that, and so I can I I play shows where they let me you know do my check and. <laughs> Do all that. It's a different type of thing to, to do that. But um, yeah, I understand like having a smaller footprint. I, I, mm-hmm. I've been working on that, but I, do, I, I just like playing the real synth. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it all depends on like, you know, opportunities that, for that moment that you're working in. So I'm not like against that. Or, yeah. Um, well, there's a big resurgence in a lot of the old technology that a lot of the companies that went out of business are back. Like Moog was out of business and they're back. Profit was out of business and they're back. These are all the core synths from the 90s, from the 80s and 90s, like the new wave. And the new band. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of opportunities now. There's a lot of these bands, you know, if you get churches and stuff, they play real synths, you know, and, and and they're on stage with that synth wave, synth pop, using real modes and profits. And there's something about that, if you do that, that goes back to that time period. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of like... Nostalgia, yeah. I'm yeah. from that time period. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, that's what I like. And so to, to see a resurgence in that, there is a lot of synth wave that actually does use that, those real synths. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's cool that, you, that you, you, you're very wide in your capabilities that you go from doing like you know organic recording to doing a recording like that you know the more soft scent they showed a big range and so what what are your thoughts on like actually collaborate with like rap or dj artists have you thought about done that or working toward that um well i i've done that before and it totally is a whole different story um but it still is really fun and I never feel like it's something that isn't a part of me or whatever. It's just like still music. It's still something that I love doing. It, it just is a whole different story. Yeah. But I'm open. Yeah. I guess I it's like where you are. Like discriminate me as a musician. Like, like I feel like there, I like rap. I like hip hop. I see a reason to, to, you know, I actually played shows with hip hop artists. And I've had collaborated with some DJs like where I am in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> New Hampshire DJs are not like New York DJs. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> okay. But, but um, yeah, it's just like whatever you feel. And they're all genres are valid. You know, there's all different types of music. And like, people who are purists and say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. I'm kind of not a person like to hear like, what you can't do. I like to you know, hear about what you can do. Yeah, um, that's what you're. Why you're in this? Like yeah. that's why you're trying to be a musician. So yeah, so so anything that can push the genre genres forward. Like I don't have a problem mixing country with hip hop or yeah, or, or like psychedelic rock. You know, you you try things out. Like whether it works or not, that's part of the whole process. Like yeah, you know, not everything's going to be a top ten hit. But if you're trying something and you're trying to go forward, I think that's that's always cool. Yeah, I agree. So what do you totally. what do you think about 
like the way things are going on today with the marketing of music with vinyl mm-hmm. and streaming and uh, what are your opinions about the way you know musicians get compensated today through like the streaming services and things like that do you have opinions on that it really is a very strange time to be live in because it, it like you're not you should not only be a musician and artist but also become a marketing person because um you have to know your audience like that's what they tell you to do because if you know who might like your music or might like your language like if you can find people who speak your language let's say speak your thought process or understand it um it'll be a lot faster for you to become successful but it's really hard for an artist to be aware of um their limits or the you know targets or blah blah these are like a different language like a business part of it but you have to be aware of it and you have to become a marketing person who is able to um show their music to the right audience so it's really um hard at that part but in the meantime it's cool because you don't anymore need to need people who are in certain positions to like your music and then give you the opportunity to show it to more gradual audiences all you need to do is to you know draw a path for yourself and then um you know have a strategy and follow your own um whatever it is marketing or whatever strategy so do you find like the social media platforms like instagram youtube facebook Uh that as like the marketing strategy is to get it to those fans on those those type of platforms because you can get out there without having to go through a gate like in the old record industry you had to go through a and r you had to go through a whole structure and if they didn't pick you you're not even going to get out the gate where now you could do a youtube video get it out there you could get like hundreds of thousands to millions of hits outside the yeah, structure of the, of the recording it's system. not like a talent show anymore it's not like it, there's a jury like they're judging your talent saying you're not talented oh you're good your voice is good it doesn't matter anymore like it matters to some extent but um if you find the right people who might find just a little emotion in your music they love it and then they start promoting it to their friends that's how it goes so social media kind of like helps you go in that direction and become your own boss instead of, you know, obeying that like bigger people's rules or whatever. But I mean, yeah, it all depends on what you're, what you're expecting. Like if you want to be heard by different audiences than other than what you know, you could achieve like, oh, my music is going to be loved by people who love cigarettes after sex. That's like a very limited, maybe, let's say, audience. But you might not be able to see further than that. So you still need some people to, you know, direct you. But it gives you uh, a huge um, freedom and opportunity to actually become whatever you want to become with your own strategies. So when you market, like, part of your marketing to have, like, physical merch like you know cds and vinyl Mm -hmm. when you do live shows do you do stuff like that or do you do everything like what the street well recently there's a vinyl um 
production company who reached out and said, hey, would you want a vinyl recording of Bad Poetry? For a second, I thought, and I'm like, I don't have much many singles out at the moment. And sell, you know, trying to sell something physical for an expensive price doesn't really sound, um, I don't know, right to me because the point right now is not to try to make money, but yeah. to get your music to the right audience and then build that audience to expect more music from you. So at this point, I'm not trying to get as much money as possible from whatever yeah. like uh, people, but just try to reach them and but sometimes, see what they yeah, think. Sometimes the physical works, like if you get on a road schedule and you're really heavy touring, then having vinyl or having a CD, physical CD, is a good, you can make cash where you're playing. Um, I think it's more like a burden. I don't know. It's a burden to you? I feel like, because like, yeah, Spotify, iTunes is already, you know, offering you whatever you need. Yeah. Like having physical is like a luxury for an artist. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, it might, you know, help you make some extra cash. But in the meantime, I feel like it's a little bit yeah, it's a lot more too much of a burden. Yeah, it's a lot of overhead to have to manage that. Yeah. And when everybody can just do stuff on their phone. Exactly, like everybody has smartphones or internet somewhere. But I so found like, for... like in New York City, if you play a club as a small indie band and you do have a physical CD, you can make some decent money doing that. Um, but if that's not the point, then, then you don't have to. But some fans like to have that. You know, it depends on what you're into, what your fan base is. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm, I do like albums. And so I have mm-hmm. a lot of theme-based music that has like concepts and so it by some of my fans do want to see something like that it really depends on what your fan base is well you can still stick to that like stick to the album theme and listen to the songs through spotify or youtube playlists like you can still do that i think yeah you can but there are some fans actually physically like vinyl yeah if it comes to that point you're probably at the point where you can yeah, it's not going to be a burden on you. Like, yeah. yeah, you can have that. Yeah. Like, you can have that extra thing. But yeah, it just depends on where you are, what, what you're trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't want the overhead of managing it, then it's like, yeah, it's like it's a it's an extra level of stuff you have to worry about. And if you don't want to worry about it, you don't have to. Um, it's just that in today's you know market depends on what you what you're trying to do with your with your fan base and what they're looking for. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just options out there that I've seen. It requires you to like know people better. I feel like analyze people better, like what they need, like people who like this music, would they like your music as well? Like you need to be able to answer this question, which is like a little challenging. Yeah. You have to know what your fan base is into and what they want to do and what they want to hear. You know, and if you, if you do show up like, you know, at certain venues in, in a consistent way, like in New York City, like I'll go to certain places where that's what that venue kind of does. People sell T-shirts or they sell whatever, and a lot of the bands that play those 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 places, that's what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. And so it really depends on what kind of clubs you're playing, how often you play them, and you know if you start getting a base of fans that are looking for that, then that that's kind of where you go. If if you don't have that and everybody's just on their phone, it's probably a different environment. Maybe yeah, like you know, like New York compared to LA might be different. 
what's going on. Um, so I'm just saying, that the, from what I've seen in New York City, it's a little. And there might be more bands in LA. I don't know. So <laughs> there might be a less chance for you to be able to, you know, sell your physical CDs or yeah. merchandise. Yeah, you guys have so many groups and maybe people don't want to have all that, you know. Yeah. New York is, you know, New York is big and there's a lot of bands, but not like LA. Um, yeah, yeah. But so, so it's a different scene. So it's a different thing going on. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that's cool. Um, so like, Where, what are your goals for like the next six months to a year as a musician? Where, where do you where do you see yourself going? Um, I think I want to become a better producer and means like I don't mean in a technical way, of course, technically too, but um, to be able to reflect your thoughts and the sound that you hear in your head to the physical version, like to be able to produce what you actually have in your mind. It's the skill set. Like I kind of want to um, get better at that mm -hmm. so that I can communicate better. Um, and I want to, uh, I'm planning to release my EP in the next couple of months and start promotions and touring. Um, so when you tour, are you just touring like California or are you going to go way beyond that? Well, I'm going to go beyond that probably because I feel like um, being in L.A. kind of limits you to give Los Angeles people what they need. But I'm not like 100% interested in that. But I'm also because I lived in Ohio for a long time and I remember them being um, like expecting more different like Their expectations and LA people's expectations, Austin people's expectations, yeah. Miami people's, yeah. they're all different. And I don't want to, just because I live in LA, I don't want to limit myself. Like, so I need to so do you this want, in LA. Yeah, to be more uh, varied so that you. Don't yeah, get, I just want to meet you get, as much as people I can meet. You don't want to pigeonhole into the LA scene, LA scene act. You want to yeah. be bigger than that. Have you thought about maybe going global? Or are like foreign markets where you music? Yeah, of course, of course. But um, I think um, it need it needs it needs a little bit more time and financial resource. It takes more than that. So I'm gonna see what I'm gonna be able to do in the next year. Yeah. But of course, that's the main goal. Yeah, because you never know if you get invited to those big festivals. You know, like if you, yeah, definitely. Then, then those are always good opportunities at the European festivals for. Yeah, they seem to be Because more the, into like new acts. Yeah, the goal is not like to be loved from a particular like group of people. It's like being able to be loved or being able to to be able to connect with as many people as possible because it's music. Like it's the key. It's the yeah dream itself because if you think about like, is... yeah if you think about like in england the music audience in england there's a show called jules holland and on mm -hmm. holland yeah on the bbc he plays multiple genres on the same show there'll be yeah there'll be hip-hop there'll be rap there'll be synth there'll be rock. that's perfect and so the bbc as a radio platform plays multiple genres on the same channel And and so what happens there in that market is you have if you're an indie act you have a lot better chance of getting that's heard, perfect getting yeah. heard you know a lot of American bands have gone to England and in, in mm -hmm. America they they weren't that big but as soon as they go to the English market or European market 
they get bigger reception and then they come back and they get a bigger, they kind of get a bounce um, from, from that. And the, the, you know, Hendrix did that, you know, a lot of bands, even today, a lot of bands have done that. Um, it, it seems to kind of weird, but the, you have to leave to come back and then get, you know, bigger audience. That seems to happen a lot. Yeah, that's also a version. But uh, the thing is, like, the good part about, like, social media is, like, you don't really have to act like you're living in a certain place. Like, even though I live in L.A., I don't have to act like I'm from or in L.A. because I can just target my advertisements to wherever I want to do. Yeah. And it gives me the freedom to, like, meet whoever I want to meet through social media. Yeah, your net presence is worldwide, you know. Yeah. You could have, you could have fans, like, in Asia, you know, in south korea and japan and you might not even realize how many people are actually listening to you there you know until you until you look at your your spotify and you see where where the listens are coming from um yeah but yeah so it allows you to to reach a very wide audience you know like the ghost I, yeah i actually have a lot of fans like all over not just in the u.s i have a lot of fans outside the u.s mm-hmm. and um they're into my kind of electronic music and yeah, I you know, I, I it's really interesting. I get to hear people in Israel listening to me, people in in Syria listening to me. <laughs> it's, just, it's like it's all over. It feels it's, it's all over the map. It feels very good. Yeah, to be able to be understood by a variety of cultures and you know populations, it's it's like a success like definition in my head. Yeah, that's why I like like I can see like you don't want to get pigeonholed to this LA. And that's the way the world is. It's like you put your music out there, you'd be surprised if you got fans like, you know, all over the world listening to songs and they're going to go out under different platforms like Fanburst and, and SoundCloud. And you can see where, where people are listening to you. Um, you can see a very like wide range of fans like everywhere. Um, yeah. And that's very positive as an artist. Then you feel like, okay, well, people are getting me like not just in my phone. getting the point. Yeah, they're getting. Yeah. Out, they, they, they doesn't ha- measure of success doesn't have to be that the people in your hometown get you. It's just that mm-hmm. somebody gets you somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like that's the that's the point of the whole thing, isn't it? Like, because yeah. you're not understood by the people around you, and then you make music so that you can <laughs> reach out to yeah. to the people who might actually understand. Yeah, I think so. it's the people outside your hometown that probably understand you more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I'll wind it down so I don't burn your phone out. Um, but um, <laughs> it's in the fridge. Yeah, it's okay. But yeah. <laughs> so what we're gonna do is uh, this will be a multiple segment um, podcast. We'll do a segment that actually has your bad poetry Spotify version, uh, okay. along with the version that we did on this show, um, and we, we'll send you the links. Everything's free. Um, this mm-hmm. will get pushed out to a bunch of podcast platforms, including Apple. And I think even Spotify had the version of podcast that this is supposed to get pushed out to. Uh, Radio Public, a lot of different podcasts. There's probably seven different podcasting apps that this gets pushed to. And you'll be able to use the links on your social media. There's an embed links you can get right from Anchor that you can put Perfect. that you can put onto your web pages. And it's all free if you and i can give them to you as soon as they're made available so i'll I'll send them to you through your our social media connection that we already have and uh i look forward to um talking to you again when you have your 
your other projects ready to go. Yeah, same here. Nice talk. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. We, we love to talk and push any artist. So we would just talk to Buell for about an hour, over an hour. Uh, and you should check her out on Spotify. You should check her out on our own social media page. And we're going to have this podcast out within uh, 24, 48 hours. And uh, hope you listen to it and tell your friends about it. And listen to Buell, Bad Poetry, and the other projects that she has out there. Thank you very much for being on our show. Thank you. Okay, bye. Good night. Bye.